And now, Father, as we approach the Word of God today, we thank you for the privilege of being able to study the Word of God in a free country. We thank you also that as I teach today, I do not have to trust in limited human abilities to teach. But I do trust in you, and therefore I know without doubt that you anoint my mind that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. I thank you for supernatural recall of the Scripture, and I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your love, and your power to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, that understanding will come and confusion will go. And I pray for every person that the Word of God will enter their heart, bringing faith, dispelling every fear. And Father, we'll be careful to give you alone the praise, the honor, and glory for all those revealed and accomplished through your Word and by your Spirit here today. In the wonderful name of Jesus and all those who love the Lord said, Amen. All right, well, this morning we continue on part five in our series. Um, the title is, It is God's Destiny for Us His Children to Live in His Abundant Life. So that it's God's destiny for me to live in His abundant life. All right, open your Bible to our theme scripture, John 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. All right, so he is the vine, we are the branches. So we know that the vine is the trunk of the tree, the stem of the tree. If you can picture a peach tree or an apple tree, the trunk, the bottom, the base is Christ, and the branches are the believers. All right? He said, if we'll stay connected, in other words, if we'll stay fellowshipping, if we'll continue to fellowship with Jesus, we will bear much fruit. We will bear much fruit. All right, so we have discovered by studying that that fruit refers to the abundant life, John 10.10. 10. We'll look at that again in a moment. But let's continue in that chapter and go down two verses to verse 7. If you abide in me, in other words, if you hang out with me, fellowship with me, and my words abide in you. Now, for the Word of God to abide in you, that means you have to take the Bible, read it, and when God speaks to you from a particular verse, stop, think about that, read that verse again, meditate on it for a while, then read on. Jesus says, if, you, if my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. It shall be done for you. No ifs, buts, maybes. It shall be done for you. All right? Now, some folks have said you can only ask God for your needs to be met, not your desires. Well, right there, Jesus said we can ask Him for our desires to be met. And you can write next to that in your Bible, Mark eleven twenty four. In Mark 11, 24, Jesus said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive and you'll have them. So yes, we can ask God to meet our needs and our desires, right? But the formula is, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. 
you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So, when the Word is in my heart, faith is in my heart. And we need faith to receive our prayers answered. James 1, 7, without faith, let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Amen? So faith is required to have answered prayer. And faith comes from where? The Word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So when I allow the Word to enter my heart, I'm allowing faith to enter my heart. Therefore, when I pray, my prayer is answered. Just that simple. Any time throughout our married life that we have come to pray for anything important in our marriage or in our life and our, whatever we're dealing with, things we need and desire, houses, whatever it is, whatever it is might be, we've knelt by the bed. I've written out three or four scriptures that I want to stand on, like Mark 11, 23, 24, uh, uh, John 16, 23, 24. We've read those scriptures out about two, three minutes aloud together while kneeling before the bed on a card, just read them out. And as we do, faith rises. Why? Because faith comes by hearing the Word, right? So we're putting the Word in our heart. So the faith rises. Then we pray. We get up from our knees and thank God we've got it. We write down the time and the date on the card. And we say, thank God we got it when we prayed at that time. That's faith. Faith is believing what God's Word says. The Bible said faith is the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. You don't need faith when it comes. You need faith before you see it. So once you've prayed and you are now confessing the Word of God says, I've got it, then that word is the evidence of the thing you can't see. It's the evidence, God says, His word is evidence you've got what you asked for. So I'm thanking the Lord for His word. Father, I thank you for Mark 11, 23. I thank you for John 16, 23. Your word is true, and because of that, I have it. We have it. We've got it now. Praise God. That's faith in action. All right? Simple. Not difficult. But Jesus said, if you'll do that... Okay, watch this now, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. By this, my Father is glorified. My Father is glorified by what? What is this talking about? What is this referring to? This refers to the answered prayer. The answered prayer. You got it? Look at that. Verse 7 again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And when it's done for you, my Father is glorified. Can you see that? So say this. Prayers answered brings glory to God. How does that happen? Well, when God answers my prayer, I'm going to tell somebody. I'm all excited about it. God did this for me. I asked Him for it, and look, He did it. So I'm giving God glory, am I not? When I tell my story, 
I'm giving God glory. So when you testify about what God did for you, when He answered your prayer, you're giving God glory. Now watch this. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. In other words, He's saying the more prayers are answered, the more God gets glory. He wants you to have much fruit. This fruit is talking about answered prayers. This is answered prayers fruit. Say this, God wants to answer my prayers more than I want Him to. Again, God wants to answer my prayers more than I want Him to. Say this, when God answers my prayers, He is glorified. Who said that? Jesus. Jesus said that. Say this, God wants me to have much fruit of answered prayers. Now, family, why would He give us the formula to get our prayers answered if He didn't want to answer our prayers? Right? See, the devil's lied to us. Because God doesn't hear you when you pray. He didn't say if you are perfect, He'll answer your prayer. He didn't say if you don't make a mistake for a whole week, I will answer your prayer. He didn't say that. He said, all He said was, just take my word, meditate on it. And He will answer the prayer. He'll answer the prayer. Praise His wonderful name. All right, now go to John 10, verse 10. The Lord Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. In the same verse, he said, and Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy him. In the same verse. I didn't put it up on the screen. But he said, Satan came to kill, to steal, and destroy. Only three reasons he came. Now, Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. Now, abundant life, family, is blessing. So this God came to bring blessing to the human race. Amen. And Satan came to try and steal that blessing. See, God is the blesser. God is the blesser. I've come that you might have abundant life. Now, if we desire to enjoy this abundant life which has been paid for on the cross by Jesus, belongs to you. If we desire to enjoy this abundant life, one of the things we should do is feed on the Word of God. Today, we're discussing the Word of God component. The Word of God component. If you look at a jigsaw puzzle picture on the cover of the box, you'll see it's made up of many little different pieces. And uh, we've already looked at some of those pieces. Each piece represents something that we can do to tap into this abundant life. 
each piece you've looked at so far is something you can do a different way you can tap into this abundant life. The Word of God component is one of those pieces. We can tap into that abundant life through meditating or reading the Word of God. Other pieces of the jigsaw puzzle are attending church like you're doing now. By attending church, you are tapping into the abundant blessing of God. God's blessing, family, is not only material blessings. It's joy. It's peace. It's happiness. It's fulfillment. It's a happy family. It's wonderful friends. It's the presence of God in your life. It's the nature and character of Jesus shining through you. It's the love of God shining through you. There are so many blessings we cannot even begin to count them. But all this is God's plan for you. God wants to bless you. Now, another component is attending church, praying in the Spirit or talking to the Lord, walking in love, letting the love of God direct your life. Then the love of God dominates your life. We know if you'll follow love, it'll direct you to do good to people and help people. If you have a compassion for somebody, go and help them. That's God's love guiding you. And don't do something that love won't let you do. All right, <clears throat> excuse me. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let Him guide your life and worship the Father. I like to worship God whenever I'm alone, maybe getting ready in the mornings. Or um, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm lying there, I'll just worship the Lord. I don't necessarily say anything with my mouth. I'm just worshiping in my heart, my mind because I don't awake up Pastor Bev, obviously. So I'll just worship him. I'll say, Father, I love you. I worship you. I love you. I worship you. I praise you, Lord. I'll just say that to him over and over and over. If I'm there for an hour awake, I'll talk to him like that. Just tell him I love him and worship him. That's one way to tap in. I know when I do that, I just sense the presence of God all around me because you can't worship God without him <clears throat> drawing near to you. Sorry about that. I get rid of this frog in my throat. <laughs> he insists on being in church this morning. <laughs> Wants to hear the word. All right, so we worship God. Another component is use the sword of the Spirit and exercise your authority. We learned about that, right? Use the sword of the Spirit and exercise your authority. When things go wrong in life, talk to those problems. Bind them in the name of Jesus. Don't entertain them. When fear comes, bind it in the name of Jesus. Don't entertain it. All right. John chapter 1 verse 1. Let's go there. Now we're going to talk about the Word of God component. John 1 1. This is the first book chapter of the New Testament. All right. 
It says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. So the beginning was before there were stars in the sky, before there was a planet Earth, before there even was heaven, before there even was a throne for God to sit on. That's the beginning. You say, is that possible? Yes. God existed before he made his throne. There was a time before he made the throne, right? So there was a time before it was made. I'm talking about the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. Got it? The Word. And the Word was with God, with the Father. Right? And the Word was God as well. So the Word is deity, the Father is deity, and the Holy Spirit obviously is deity. Right? You got that. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The Word was in the beginning with God. Put a circle around He. And notice this, that the Word of God is called He. Notice that the Word of God is called He. He, the Word, was with God. In the beginning, He was in the beginning with God. All things are made through Him. The Word is called Him. All things are made through the Word, Him. And without the Word, Him, nothing was made that was made. Say this, hold up your Bible and say, This is called Him. Right? Yes, the word, him. Right? Now, go to verse 14, same chapter. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that Christ, the word, left heaven, came to earth, entered into the womb of Mary, and received a human body born in a manger. And the angel said to Joseph and Mary, you shall name, them, name him Jesus. So when he walked the earth, baby Jesus grew up, and some people discovered that he actually was the Christ living in that body. Christ living in that body. The Word of God living in that body. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Whose glory? The Word of God. We bow the glory of the Word of God. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes, the Word of God took on flesh, dwelt among us. He was Christ, the Word, in a human body. Now, go to Revelation 19, verse 11. Go to Revelation 19, verse 11. If that's for me, tell them I'm in a meeting. All right, now, Revelation 19, 
This took place during, it's going to take place during the tribulation period. During the tribulation period. So we are knocking on the door right now of the seven-year tribulation period. I promise you right now. We are in very, very, every minute, seconds of the end times. The first three and a half years of the tribulation period is a time of great persecution of the church worldwide and a time of great revival. Many will come to Christ. Amen. Multitudes. Then the Antichrist is revealed after three and a half years. And then we are raptured. The church is raptured, taken up. Jesus comes for us. And while we are enjoying the marriage feast of the Lamb in heaven, the Antichrist will be ruling on the earth like the worst dictator that you have ever imagined. Now, all this is in Revelation. It's also, what I'm telling you now, is in Thessalonians, it's in the book of Daniel, and it's in other scriptures, Matthew 25. Anyhow, Jesus speaks about it in the book of Mark and Matthew and Luke and John as well. Anyway, during those three and a half years, while Antichrist has turned everybody into slaves, God is also pouring His wrath out, His judgment on the planet. These are God-haters. These are Satan-worshippers that God is judging. And Christ comes during that period of time after the rapture here in Revelation 19.11. Let's read this. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. He's come to make war with the Antichrist and Satan and his worshippers. His eyes were like flames of fire. His eyes are like laser beams. Let me tell you something, family. Meek and mild, gentle Jesus in a human body unveils His glory now. He's not meek and mild. He's, he's, he's gentle Jesus. But I want to tell you right now, this is another side of Him. There's another side of him. He's a mighty God, right? His eyes are like laser beams. His voice is like the sound of many rushing waterfalls. And his face shines brighter than the midday sun. And from his mouth goes a sword. Now, and he who has sat on him, on the horse, was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and make war. His eyes are like flames of fire. And his, on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And his name is called what? The Word of God. So the Word of God is a man sitting on a horse. You got it? Say that. The Word of God is a man sitting on a horse. This is not just an ordinary man. This is deity. You got it? 14. And the armies in heaven, the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now, this is what's coming, Mr. Antichrist. That's what's coming to you. Get ready. 
Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That's his word. Spoken. That, will, that with it he should strike the nations in judgment. And he himself will rule them, these ungodly people, with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of mighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who he is. He is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Now, because of what we've just learned in the first few minutes of our message this morning, we'll now be able to understand what we are about to read in Hebrews 4.12. Go to Hebrews 4.12. I'd like you to see this in your own Bible, so I'll wait for you. Just in case you find it hard to believe what you're going to hear. Look at it and believe. All right? <laughs> now, I know you've read this before, but today, the light will come on. Today, you will understand what it means. All right, Roman, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is full of living power. Hold up your Bible and say, the Word of God is full of living power. Okay, now watch this. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. New King James, New Living, is sharper than, in, than the sharpest knife. Okay? Cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. Exposing us for who we really are. I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, and I'm just engrossed in it, and I see things in there that I should be correcting in my life, it's like that sharp sword going into my heart, right? It cuts deep into my innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes me for what I really am. I see myself as I really am when I read the Bible. Correct? And then I see the things I am doing that I should be doing, that I must carry on doing. So when I read my Bible, it's like a mirror. I'm looking into it to see who I really am deep inside, right? Okay. The Word of God is full of living power, sharper than any sharpest knife, cutting deep into the innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. Nothing in all creation can hide from Him. Hello? The Word of God is called Him again. See that? Nothing can hide from Him. We're talking about the Word of God here. This verse 12 is talking about the Word of God. That as I read it, what it does to me, and nothing in all creation can hide from the Word, from Him. So we've seen at least three different portions of Scripture that refer to the Word of God as Him. Now, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every truth be established. So here now, this is a doctrine Hold your Bible up and say, the Word of God is Him. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. There's the word His again. And the Bible has eyes. Wow. 
Is this getting spooky? This is the God. Now the Bible is God. That's the second time the Bible is called God. In John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning is the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here it is again. This is the God whom we must explain all that we have done. So this is the God before whom we must stand. Say this, I must stand and give an account of my life before the Word of God. So when I'm judged on Judgment Day, I have to stand before the Word and be measured by the Word. I have to stand before the Word and be measured by the Word. Now, is that true? Let's see if we can find another witness. John 12, 47, the words from Jesus. John 12, 47, the words from Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. If anyone hears my words and doesn't believe, I do not judge him. All right, now the next verse. The bottom part of the verse. The word that I've spoken will judge him in the last day. The word that I've spoken will judge him in the last day. Say so this, I have to stand before the Word of God to be evaluated on Judgment Day. Now, you see, we have been cleansed from our sins, but we have to be evaluated for our rewards. If we're going to be receiving any rewards, we have to be evaluated. All right? And... I have to be corrected if I made mistakes or if I, if I don't realize it and I'm making mistakes, I have to be corrected. So, but I have to be corrected when I'm evaluated by standing and be measured by the Word. So, the Bible said, if I judge myself, I will not be judged. In other words, when I'm reading my Bible, if I see things in my life that I shouldn't be doing, I'm going to judge myself and say, Lord, hey, that's not right. I repent. I'm sorry. By your grace and your strength, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to do it in my own strength because I'll never succeed. You can try as hard as you want. You'll never live a good life. You cannot live a good life trusting in the flesh to live a good life. You can only live a good life by trusting God's ability to keep you. So say this, use your faith now. Say, Father God, you are keeping me holy. By your grace, I'll do the right thing. See that? So His grace carries us. Now, I'm going to give you another tip for Judgment Day. A Judgment Day tip. If you want an easy judgment. If you want an easy judgment, put up your hand. Now, if you don't put up your hand, that means I want a tough judgment. <laughs> All right, the Bible says, he that judges without mercy will be judged without mercy. Right? The Bible says, as you judge, so you'll be judged. Right? So, when people mess up, I show them mercy, I forgive them, and I try and help them. I show them grace. Right? 
Why? Because if I do that, then God's going to do that for me. See? The Bible said, he that judges without mercy will be judged without mercy. So people who criticize and condemn others all the time, I don't want to be in their shoes. Doesn't be a tough judgment, right? I don't want to be in their shoes. No, I'm going to try and lay up an easy judgment for me. How? Being kind, gentle, and forgiving to everybody. Showing mercy. Beside that, the Bible said, you that are spiritual, restore somebody who's fallen in a spirit of meekness. So when somebody messes up, you go and restore them. The Bible said, the love of God covers a multitude of sins. That means if somebody messes up, you don't brag about it, talk about it. You don't get on your roof and, with a loud halo and tell everybody what they did. No, you cover it up. And you help them, restore them, get them back on their feet again. You all gone home or out there? Anybody out there? Okay. You're getting awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. All right, so, you know, someone did come to me one time and said, Dr. Theo, I didn't know that we are a Presbyterian church. I said, no, we're not. I'm just joking. I, so now I have to act, be careful when I say that. Just for the record, we're not a Presbyterian church. So anyhow, um, where was I? I had something important to say. Okay, judgment. So you that are spiritual, restore such one as spirit of meekness. Now, it says you that are spiritual. Now, the baby Christians, I don't mean in years, I mean in maturity. They're going to talk about it. They're going to talk about it. Blab, 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 blab. This person, you hear what this person did? Just make a note, baby Christian. <laughs> Forgive the baby Christian. Blab, 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 blab. Right? Mature Christian doesn't talk about it, just fixes them, fixes the problem, helps them get back on their feet. Right? Now, if we do that, we can have an easy judgment. That's judgment day tips for you for today. Say, thank you, Apostle Theo. You're welcome. All right, so we notice then that the Word of God is called He and Him. Now, why is that? Why is that? Why is the Word of God called He and Him? Because Christ and His Word are one and the same. You can't separate them. You can't separate Christ and His Word. They are one and the same. Say this, when I read my Bible, I am fellowshipping with Christ. He is speaking directly to me. When I read my Bible, I'm tapping into the life of Christ. And He is instructing me, blessing me, and bringing me into the abundant life. Amen. Psalm 107.20, God sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now hold up your Bible and say, this is medicine. The Word of God was sent to heal me and deliver me. Praise God. 
we abide in the Word, we're abiding in Christ. I'm tapping into the vine, drawing from the juice of the vine. Now, family, if God's Word is no good, then God's no good. If God's Word cannot be trusted, then God cannot be trusted because God and His Word are one. Right? If I can trust in God, I can trust His Word because they're one. You and your Word are one. If my Word's no good, I'm no good. If the man's Word is no good, he's no good. If I can't trust His Word, I can't trust Him. If I can trust what He says and believe He's telling me the truth and He'll honour His Word, then, I, then He's a good man. I can trust Him. No, we know better than the words we speak. Say so that I'm no better than my words. That's why Jesus said, By your word you'll be justified, and by your word you'll be condemned. By your words, you, that's on judgment day. By your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. So God's going to evaluate our life by listening to our words. We'll hear what we said. And then every idle word, for every idle word, we'll have to give an account. So our words are important. Our words are important. Every idle word, we'll have to give an account. So what's an idle word? An idle word is a word that you speak, it doesn't produce, it's non-productive, it's idle. An idle man is somebody who's a couch potato. A productive man is somebody who's doing something, making things happen, right? Your words need to make things happen. They, when you speak, there need to be a purpose for speaking, right? Casual conversation's fine. That's not idle words. But there are times when we speak idle words that we should not be talking idle words. Another word is a word that's not productive. It has, we have no faith in it. No faith in it. We don't believe in it. Another word is a word of doubt. Fear is an idle word. Don't speak fear. Those are idle words. Don't speak doubts. Those are idle words. Are you tracking me, church? Because when we speak idle words of doubt... We are actually insulting God, who's there for us and well able to take care of our problem. You know, in the old days, people made covenants by cutting their hands. I read my book on the covenant, you'll see, and shaking hands. When the blood mixed, because the life of the flesh is in the blood, when the blood mixed, the two lives became one life. And they'd make a contract like that, sign, all I own is yours, all you own is mine. Contract done, sealed, just by a handshake, sealed with blood. And then without the cutting of hands, the shaking of hands became a contract. Yes, we agree. Shaking hands is a done deal. And there, are, there was a day when just shaking hands was good enough. Now we have to sign contracts as long as you're armed. For anything. Because a man's word's no good anymore. But that's not our practice. That's not our practice. We are imitators of Christ. His word is good. We are imitators of Christ. His word is good. 
When we say yes, it's yes. We say no, it's no. And if we're not sure, we'll say we're not sure. Are you out there, church? I'm talking about the abundant life. If we want to walk in the abundant life, then these are simple things that mommy taught us growing up. Right? Our word is our bond. Thank you for those three holy yeses. Real encouraging. All right, go to Romans chapter 15, verse 29. Romans chapter 15, verse 29. Now here, Paul writes the church in Rome, and he says, I'm coming to Rome to visit you. I'm coming to Rome to visit you. I want you to know when I come, this is going to happen. This is what's going to happen when I come. All right, read it. Paul said, I know that when I come to you, I will come beaten down, defeated, sorrowful, needing your help. I'm a beggar living, a, living on barely getting along street, trusting the ravens to feed me, coming for help. Is that what he said? He said, I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing, the full blessing of the gospel of Christ. I'm coming in the full blessings of God, which is found in the gospel of Christ. I'm coming to you with the full blessings of God, which are captured and revealed and received through the word of God. Hold your Bible up and say the Bible contains the full blessing of God for me. When I read it, I'm exposing myself to the full blessings of God. See, Paul said, I'm going to bring you the Word of God, which will bring you the full blessing of God. And when you read the Bible, you're getting exposed to the full blessing of God. So this reading my Bible is tapping into the supernatural, abundant life and blessing of God. Because Christ and His Word are one and the same. And you and your Word are one and the same. The full blessing comes by feeding on the Word that's one way to abide in the vine. That's one way to abide in the vine. Now, I'm going to stop right here, and that is about 40% of the word component. That's about 40% of the word component. Now, next weekend, I'm going to teach the 60% of the word component. Now, I kept the best for last. I assure you right now, next week, you need to bring your running shoes on. Like Dr. Sater's running shoes, like these running shoes right here. You bring your running shoes next week because if you're not running up and down the aisles next week, then there's something really wrong. You are going to be so blessed next weekend. Are you ready?